Hello and welcome to a different type of episode of Films We Know, a podcast. As you can see, we've gone back to our roots. We're audio only. If you're listening on Spotify, you'll be like, yo, where's my video? Well, unfortunately, uh, we're kind of taking a step back. It's just getting a little crazy right now on my end uh, with work and doing these video podcasts as much as I truly do love doing them. And if you were not fortunate enough to see our holiday special, highly recommend it. Uh, Before I get any further, of course, obviously with me, as always, is Tim Callahan. Hello there. Hello there. (laughs) Uh, Your best Obi-Wan. Hello there. Hello there. Um, but yeah, so we're, we're dialing it back. We're going back to audio for now. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to bring back video down the road when things lighten up a little bit. Um, hopefully, uh, my next contract or whatever film I'm on will be a little less hectic than the one I'm on right now. Um, so we'll be able to put more into the show, but in the meantime, we want to make sure we get content out to you guys. We want to make sure that we're able to get, uh, well, bi-weekly content, although you guys have been spoiled this month because I got behind. So <laughs> it was kind of like you suffered for a little bit. And then I was like, OK, I got to get these episodes out. So you had an audio episode last week and uh, the holiday special, which was crazy. I think that's the biggest file for sure <laughs> that we've had. Uh, the thing was almost like 15 gigs. It was a six camera show and four audio tracks. And an hour and like 42 minutes. And I went way overboard on it. (laughs) And it definitely took me like nine hours to edit that thing. So uh, it was a beast. It looks like it's doing well already. So at least there's some fruit to your your labor. I'm happy about that too. Yeah, the reel on Instagram is doing well. On Facebook it did well as well as uh, YouTube. And uh, in fact, actually... Yeah, yeah. It's, I was like, did I remember to upload that to Spotify? We did, we did, yeah. we did. It was so late in the evening when I, I posted that. I was scheduled. I always try to post the night before, but uh, it's a lot of fun, man. I mean, what was it like having your, uh, now that we've got that update out of the way, what was it like having your wife on the show? Was it was it nerve-wracking? Was it fun? Was, was it what you expected? It was fun. Um, I, I, was, I wasn't sure, you know... Uh, I mean, she did do one other podcast before. She kind of guessed it, talking about uh, family loss on an episode of someone else's podcast before. So she wasn't a complete stranger to it. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I thought it was fun. And she really, you know, her personality came out in, the, in a good way. So I was, it was fun to see. Yeah. I got to tell you, I'm so glad that that was a video podcast. And I think the other reason why it took so long was a lot of times when it's just Tim and myself, you know, there's not too much going on. There's moments where we're laughing, but it's not necessarily audible. Mm-hmm. And so I always like to cut to that because it's always good to see the reaction of either of us, right? To add to the storytelling. Um, but man, there were moments in there, both on your both of your ends, uh, you and your wife. Yeah. Where there's just like either like a grump face or like a shocked face. It was very expressive. And so I'm glad I was able to really like plug in the new monitor or plug in my other monitor, see all the details so I could cut yeah. to those those faces. Because I tell you, man, when you pick Scrooge, you are uh, dancing on thin ice, man. <laughs> I'm like, well, as far as this podcast is concerned, everything was fine. Nothing happened yeah. after the show. I don't know. But you're here now. And I told her she was going to beat you. So at least make it so that we could do the podcast this weekend. So thank God for that. Yeah, it went well. No, no issues there. <laughs> I think she she had fun with it. 
And uh, I don't know if she'd do it again because I probably annoyed her too much. Or like, did you have your list done? You did your list and stuff like that. And she's like, leave me alone. <laughs> um, but otherwise, I think she had fun with it. And we were we were trying to watch it. Um, I think on Monday night. Um, yeah. But it was like hard to like watch it because like kids were around. Honestly, it's not the most amount of swearing that we've had on a show, though. For oh, sure. it's not even the swearing, but we also talk about Santa and such in, oh, in the, yeah, in the show. So I, I didn't really want the kids around with that. So if you haven't listened to the holiday special and you want to go back and watch it, please do. It's on YouTube. Uh, obviously, if you you can watch it on Spotify as well. But uh yeah, big spoiler alert. Yeah. We do talk about Santa Claus. So though it is a family friendly episode for the most part, as far as swearing, as long as your kids know about Santa, then we're good. So, yeah. So that's why I was like, ah, good point. I ended up listening to it. I didn't get to watch the whole episode, but I did get to listen to it. I actually banged out that one and our Three Kings episode uh, at the gym this week. So went well, although I have to update there, I was... Uh, by my brother listened to the three kings podcast and he's like oh so you don't know about lily tomlin i was like uh what Uh (laughs) so uh yeah i guess i don't want to go into a full on because you never know if it turns into another uh tales from the set or not but uh yeah that director had other issues and i guess there's a famous one with him and lily tomlin and there's a video on youtube which i didn't get to fully watch because my kids were around when patrick uh sent it to me so yeah uh, it doesn't sound good so it sounds like this guy's got an mo just update there yeah all right well there you go george Sluda. your name has been cleared <laughs> uh yeah well well there you go we'll do some homework if we can, we'll put a link in the link dump, although we've been having issues with line breaks in our description, but we'll try to. Okay. Um, and also check out our podcast website because we did some rebranding. I've kind of merged um, a while back. We merged Revered Network into my production company, Throw the Knife. Um, but we now have a new completely overhauled website, ThrowTheKnifeProd.com, that houses all the stuff that I'm working on in film but it also has podcast landing pages on there. You can actually listen to all the shows on the website that are active, except for films. You know it because I'm updating that. That one's a little bit of a beast because obviously we have quite a lot of episodes. This is episode 19, technically numbered, um, but I believe we're actually on episode 20 total. Uh, So a little bit of a milestone episode, but yeah, so I'm working on getting those so that you could actually watch the episodes on the website too, if you wanted to. So, but uh, cool. Yeah, it's kind of fun. But yeah. Uh, yeah, it was great. Uh, I'm stoked that Jacqueline was able to go on the podcast as well. I do feel like the reason why I probably took longer to edit was because Megan hasn't been on podcasts before. And there's a little bit of that, the the talking thing, right? Like it's hard because you want to have a conversation. Podcasts are naturally conversational. Um, yeah. But you also don't want to talk over each other because when you edit, it can be a nightmare. And so that unfortunately happened with all of us. I think we just got excited. And, and I think it really shows in the the episode it's a lot of fun it's a very you know conversational type show very funny a lot of a lot of laughs but it just meant a lot more editing but she did great um her little you know as much as i gave made fun of her about her uh telecommunications headset uh it worked she sounded great sounded good so, gotta love it don't yeah. need a fancy microphone to do a podcast guys guess not get out there start a podcast well we're gonna start our podcast yeah uh with a different tales from the set not three kings something a little bit more in the spirit of Christmas and or the holidays, uh, what's our Tales from the Set this uh, this month? 
We are doing uh, 1984's Gremlins. Gremlins? Yes. Is there another Gremlins? Uh, I don't know, but I just want to throw the year out there. Why you not? You said 1984, so I was like, oh, was there like a remake I'm not aware of? No, no. Well, there was um, a sequel. There's sequels? Yeah. Well, uh, yeah, there's just the one sequel that I know of. Um, but yeah. I didn't know that there was a Christmas story uh, sequel, not the one that just came out on HBO Max, but prior to that. And I also didn't know that there was a Jingle All the Way sequel. Yeah. Damn. So not all movies deserve sequels. Yeah, exactly. I, there's a good reason for that, I think. Yeah. 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 They swept that one under the rug. Although, yeah, some people actually will uh, really enjoy the second one of Gremlins because they they just they just turned up at another notch for that sequel. So some people actually quite enjoy the second one, but it oh, definitely didn't go. hit as strongly uh, theater wise. So. So anyway, so Gremlins, uh, we got our. Main contributors here are going to be director Joe Dante. Uh, the writer, the screenwriter uh, is uh, Chris Columbus. And uh, the executive producer is not Christopher Columbus, of course, but uh, just Chris Columbus. Chris Columbus. Yes. Now, is that the Chris Columbus that's responsible for Harry Potter? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So he's, uh, you know, pretty, pretty big for his his own, uh, you know, uh rights right uh i'm just trying to look what was wow yeah what is going on with this new imdb by the way uh home alone it's terrible and i hate it yeah home alone is another big one um but yeah he's he has quite a few hits himself and then steven spielberg and then the two main actors that get kind of mentioned here is phoebe cates and zach uh galligan nice so yeah so chris columbus is the writer of Gremlins, and he was at a film school, and he was a film student at NYU, uh, and he was like living in like fancy Manhattan apartments and lofts and such. And uh, but he was uh, while he was a student, I guess maybe maybe in some not so fancy ones. Uh, and so I guess uh, while he was in one of these apartments, he witnessed some some mice inhabiting. Uh, the place at night um, and Fun. He, yeah very New York like he uh, he's quoted saying at night it sounded like a platoon of mice who came out and to hear them skitter around in the blackness was really creepy Jesus I keep thinking of that movie with uh, what's his name from freaking uh, back to the future the rat movie uh, oh Walter yeah. or something like that. Willard I think was it Willard or something yeah I think I don't know yeah. yep. yeah. no thanks so uh, so Chris Columbus wrote a spec script um, on Gremlins, I guess. Do you know what a Rat King is, by the way? No. <laughs> Should I? All right. <laughs> so it's a bit of a dark thing, but we're talking about the rats, right? And Gremlins obviously are both cute, mm -hmm. but also terrifying. And I feel like a Rat King fits into this category. But you talk about the amount of rats that he's you know, discussing there. Or mentioning and a racking is absolutely terrible uh, or terrifying and it's a risky click so the listeners if you want to know what a racking is you are more than welcome to look at it but it is truly terrifying uh what a racking is is essentially it is a huge amount of rats essentially uh that intertwine their tails 
so that they're all facing outward in a circle. And this is to make them a bigger threat, I guess, so that they're less likely to be taken on as prey. This is a thing that happens. It happens a lot in cities as well. Um, it's absolutely terrifying looking. Interesting. Like, we're talking like it could get upward to like 20 or 30 rats that are entangled into this rat king scenario. <laughs> yeah, you talk about it. I, it if you is. Google it, it's it's terrifying. So, okay, I don't think I want to, but all right. <laughs> but I, but that's what comes to mind when I hear gremlins and then him talking about yeah. uh, rats. Uh, you know, they can be cute and cuddly, but they can also be terrifying, which I feel like is fitting. And so I guess these like mis- the mischievous, you know, like I can't see what's really going on. It sounds like there's a lot of them in his apartment here. And that's what inspired him to write it. And um, I don't. Would you like to clue the audience in on what a spec script means? Well, yeah. I mean, it's not a full script, right? It's just essentially it's it's spec. So it's yeah. This is the makings of what I would like to have an actual script. Um, you know, it's not a fully fleshed out like eighty or ninety page script. It's really just the meat and potatoes to try to get it pitched yeah. to a studio to pick up to either get a writer or to have them write it and get paid to write it. Yeah, and so a lot of times too. These these things don't get made. It's just like just to kind of show your chops type of deal. Get your foot in the door. Uh, And I guess that was the intention here of what he wrote with with Gremlins. He had no real intention of getting this movie made. It was just to kind of show off his abilities type of deal. Mm. Um, So did you know this is another side side note? Uh, but we're in the the, the behind-the-scenes here, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, Quentin Tarantino's first ever written project was based off of a spec script by Bob Kurtzman, who's one of the co-founders of KMBFX Group, the biggest uh, special effects makeup company in the U.S. now. Uh, and that script was from dusk till dawn. Hmm. And even after he wrote the script, they refused to make it because they're like, vampires, mobsters. Now we're not making that right now. Yeah. Ended up making it down the road, but yeah. So it was a spec script that got him in the door. Someone couldn't make it work. And so they asked him to write the script for it. It's kind of crazy how those type of things can still end up being a big deal, I guess, in the long run. So, well, yeah, From Dust Till Dawn, not a huge movie that you would think, at least in the box office, but ended up being a cult hit. Gremlins again, not something that he thought was going to get made. And then look at it now. Right. Everyone has Gremlins for the most part. Yeah. And uh, so anyway, so the, he uh, he wrote this spec script and I guess it was way more traditional horror when he wrote it. Um, oh, my God. So in like the early draft, like the gremlins ate the family dog. Um, I thought you were going to say the family. I'm like dark. No. Well, I mean, eating the dog is still pretty messed up. It's still pretty dark. It's yeah, pretty messed up, but still mischievous. Because you remember in the movie, the little the dog kind of survives and is kind of is like uh, it's walking with him everywhere, even to to and fro of the bank when he's working at the bank and everything. So, yeah, in the, in the original script, the dog was supposed to get eaten. Now we're watching that movie differently now. Yeah. And apparently the 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 main character's mom was supposed to be either killed or was like close to being killed or something like that. Uh, so people still died in that movie. Sure. But I guess it's a little bit it was a way darker tone and like really like. I mean, having your dog and your mom die is pretty messed up. It's pretty dark, right? Um, yeah, by these little creatures. Well, well, okay. Here's here's even more messed up. So apparently, there was supposed to be a, a scene where the gremlins are go to a McDonald's or some kind of fast food place and are eating the customers instead of the burgers. So I kind of want to see this movie. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest with you. 
Uh, well, hey, we still got a great movie. But yeah, it, it was really, really dark. <laughs> Jesus. So um, crazy enough, Spielberg is just going through spec scripts and comes across this. And uh, so Steve Spielberg is like, I want to make this movie, but let's, you know, make it a little bit more family friendly. You know, let's uh, let's tone it down just a little bit. That's his M.O. though, right? Yeah. Like he, he was a blockbuster king, right? So how do we make this have more mass appeal? Yeah. And I guess, uh, too, Spielberg, you know, had a pretty good relationship with Chris Columbus. Uh, he produced Chris Columbus's like next two uh, scripts, which was The Goonies, um, based on an idea he had about a young Sherlock Holmes type of deal. Um, and so, yeah, so he he had a pretty... He had a pretty good relationship there with with Spielberg, but he, I guess, Columbus never thought this this Gremlins movie would be made. So he was still kind of like, "Are you are you sure this is like you wanna you wanna do this?" As Spielberg was gun ho, he's like, "Yes, I have a short list of people I want to direct this movie," and I guess his uh, one of his shortlist directors at this time was Tim Burton. And uh, yeah, Ooh. he just saw that could have been he just saw his Frankenweenie short. Mm. Yeah, so he was going to he was going to try to get this Chris Columbus spec script kind of mold him to a family friendly thing and have Tim Burton direct it. Um, but Tim Burton was still kind of untested at the time. Um, and so it didn't quite work out. Um, and so did you know that Tim Burton was an animator? Yeah. On Fox and the Hound. I did. Wow. That's in that wild to think like. That's where he was cutting his teeth was on Fox and the Hound. The Fox and the Hound. Yeah. It's crazy. To me yeah. When you think about where his, the direction clearly made sense for him to go his own way. For sure. It was not that way. At I mean, all, but. what his first big movie still Pee Wee's Big Adventure. Right. So that's still still a weird start. But for there's him. some zaniness and sure. some wildness there that I think is still akin to his his type of film. But. Yeah, Fox and the Hound. I mean, I was obsessed with that yeah. as a kid, but it really I'm blew my mind dog. when I found out that he was. Yeah, my name is Copper. Oh, yeah. So good. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah. So um, anyway, so uh, yeah, Frank Weenie apparently wasn't enough yet, and so Tim Burton, uh, they couldn't get him uh, to move forward with that project. Uh, the studio would, wasn't as comfortable with that. So they instead got Joe Dante, who's the next one. And he is uh, pretty known for The Howling. Um, it's a Good Life uh, from the Twilight Zone movie is another part that he did. So he had some more backing and experience unlike Tim Burton. Right. And definitely some yeah. horror elements, too. Obviously, The Howling. to say more akin to the original version of that script or that spec script for sure. Yeah. The Howling was a, you know, pretty, pretty legit, you know, werewolf movie. So. Um, so anyway, Joe Dante, though, even though he had some background, uh, is quoted as saying, I was down to my last few bucks before I got the Gremlins job. I directed The Howling, which had done well, but the company had gone out of business before they could pay me. Mm. When Steven Spielberg's script arrived, I was convinced he'd sent it to the wrong address. So, wow. It's so crazy because I see this happen a lot in the business. And you don't think about it, right? You think, oh, you're big. Everything's great. And yeah, man, like just like that, you could have issues like that or you could have financial hurdles right i mean we've seen this famously in vfx all the time yeah where studios end up going out of business because a project gets put on pause or on hiatus or just completely 
get shelved. Uh, so it's wild to see someone like Joe Dante struggling like that, even after making some of the moves that he had made up at that point. Yeah, uh, it's it's a pretty big bummer. I mean, yeah, I, the howling, and then you didn't get paid for it. That's crazy to me. Insane. Yeah. So uh, anyway, so Joe Dante's brought in, and um, they have some pretty interesting like additions to the to the lore here that was not originally part of the script. Mm-hmm. Uh, so pretty creative stuff. So apparently the, uh, you know, there's set rules you have to follow for the Mogwai so they don't yeah. turn into the gremlins type of deal. So uh, no bright lights was one of the rules, right? Um, mm-hmm. The only reason that rule exists was for them to have an excuse to not have a light of light on the puppets on set because they were really worried special effects wise it wouldn't look really good with the puppets and the and 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 strings and all that kind of stuff so they were trying to keep them in the dark as much as possible and try to camouflage stuff as much as possible uh so that was the only reason that rule existed (laughs) it's so true though because like when you look at jurassic park the original um, the reason why those scenes, especially with the Tyrannosaurus Rex, work so exceedingly well in that chase sequence at night in the rain is because it's just the moon. Yeah. It's just one light source. And then you've got rain dousing everything. So it makes it a lot easier to blend in a digital asset. And in this case, even also the practical, too. Um, so, yeah, it's it's lighting can be your friend. Yeah. And uh, so I guess, too. Uh, it was a good thing that they did hire him because he learned that kind of stuff from the howling and he, he used a lot of the same tricks there. So I'm sure. Yeah. Pretty, pretty clever though. Um, and I guess, so they, they had to create that rule just to make, you know, things make sense. Special effects wise. The other rule that was in it, uh, apparently was an ongoing joke was don't feed them after midnight. Um, but like a lot of that didn't make sense to a lot of the crew and the cast mm-hmm. where they would joke like, what if we change time zones? What if we got on a plane? What happens? <laughs> like, yeah, what's your baseline, right? Like, yeah. Is it, is it are they from London? These these gremlins? Is it based on where they're from originally? Is it? Uh, yeah. Yeah. It doesn't make sense. So it's kind of funny. Did you, and I, I hate to keep doing the did you know, but yeah. this really blew my mind. Uh to, uh, last night I was looking at something in Australia or I'm watching some program or whatever and like I didn't know this but they have a time zone I, one of the the province or parts of uh, Australia their time zone is plus is GMT plus ten and a half hours huh. I've never seen that in my life I've only known of like GMT plus eight or plus five or plus three or whatever like always on the hour you know it may be seven o'clock in the morning somewhere else when it's six o'clock here but I've never heard of it being 730. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. While it's six o'clock. That's so weird to me. Like the extra 30 minutes. I don't know. It's weird. Throws me. Fair enough. But again, would really throw you if you had a mogwai from Australia. Like which part of Australia? Yeah. So- <laughs> When's midnight? Is that 1130? Uh, Is it midnight? I don't know. Yeah. And then like, does, does the digestive thing come into this too? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. What if he digested before? Yeah. You know, is it when it touches the lips? I mean, exactly. So apparently they, I don't even remember. It's been a long time since I've seen the sequel. I've seen the first one more recently, but it's been a long time since I saw the sequel. But apparently they made jokes about this and kind of, they they brought that into the sequel. Nice. Um, with that rule. So I'm curious to rewatch now. Um, 
Anyway, so uh, so there was still a lot of concern how to make all this stuff work uh, effects wise uh, with all yeah. these things. So uh, apparently, the original idea uh, before they came up with the just let's change it and make everything really dark uh, was they were going to put monkeys in costumes and makeup. Bruh, yeah. Prior to the days of you can't use monkeys on film sets, man. Yeah. So they try it. They they come up with a costume and everything. Is there test footage out there? I I would pay to see this test footage. I want to see it. I've only Looking it up while you're talking. I've only read about it, but apparently one of the monkeys freaks out. Uh, just it's hard not to think of Nope right now when you just said the monkey freaks exactly. out. Exactly. The monkey freaks out, uh, starts tearing the office apart apparently defecating everywhere. Um, so Dante apparently is like screaming at the trainer to get the animal <laughs> under control. Uh, and then um, apparently once the, the monkey gets, you know, controlled again, they kind of everybody just kind of looks at each other and just goes, so puppets? <laughs> Jesus. And that's kind of where that went to. Somewhat more predictable puppets. Yeah, but I guess it was just... There are early screen tests. I don't know if I can see them, but it mm. does say here in this article I'm looking at, in early screen tests for Gremlins, monkeys were dressed in Gremlin costumes. Where do I get this footage? Who do I have to call? I know. Look it up my contacts. So these puppets, I guess there's a reason why they were trying to, uh, you know, do as much as possible to not make it puppets. So they were insanely expensive. Apparently, each puppet was costing around thirty to forty thousand dollars. That the uh, the film star Zach Yaligan uh, reveals that uh, the studio was so nervous about protecting their investment in these these puppets that each night security would have the cast and crew pop their trunks of their cars to ensure that no one was stealing their big time props. Very expensive puppets, dude. You joke about that, but it's a thing. Yeah. Another interesting thing, uh, I guess, is there, there is a, a cute, adorable moment with Gizmo um, getting in a, a Rambo kind of getup with his own bow and arrow and everything. Uh, so uh, there was some issues and some worries about uh, parody issues. <laughs> um, and would they get sued? Uh, and apparently Stallone uh, was showed the movie and gave his blessing. So they were allowed to have gizmo look like stallone uh, look like stallone and rambo and all that gotta love it gotta love it do you remember the backstory for phoebe kate's character uh not off the top of my head no because i don't remember this part and i feel like i should have remembered it because I, I i really did just watch this like a year ago but i so imagine having to grow up like kate did had father passed away to come down the chimney it's an old urban legend phoebe kate's tells a story so deadpan the studio execs and spielberg weren't sure if the story was supposed to be tragic or hysterical gizmo's reactions don't help the viewer decide either way spielberg wanted the scene to be cut dante convinced him that the scene is the perfect metaphor for the movie and wanted it to be left in uh, Roger Ebert's Roger Ebert's review of the film. He praised the scene being in the tradition of sick 1950s jokes. 
So apparently her her dad died coming down the chimney trying to pretend to be Santa Claus, her character. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah, in the movie. Yeah. I don't oddly remember that, but apparently there was like a big debate and argument (laughs) between Spielberg and Dante whether to keep that in. And like nobody was like, how are we supposed to react? I mean, he went from greatest dad to dead dad so quickly. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. Um, The things we do for our children. Uh, so anyway, so the the cute uh, Magwai Gizmo, right uh, in the movie, right the Gormans uh, or the versions of him pop out of his back, and then they they don't follow the rules, and then they become Gremlins, right? So apparently, Gizmo himself was actually supposed to turn as well. Mm. So there is like one main Gremlin. And he's got uh, like a stripe or something, yeah, uh, to kind of like know that he's like the leader of all the gremlins. Isn't his name literally Stripe? I think so. And uh, that was supposed to be Gizmo, yeah. And um, that's what he was supposed to transform into. So apparently, this is when Spielberg stepped in and was like, "No, you you got to just make it a separate character." Uh, he, yeah, it's gonna kill the likability factor <laughs> and relatableness, yeah. and it's also gonna freak the children out because they're gonna be like. Oh, I love this cute thing. You know, not anymore. (laughs) Yeah. If it's turning into a devil little goblin creature. Yeah. So, yeah, Spielberg was like, nope, sorry, we got to keep Gizmo. That's that's not going to happen that way. So uh, anyway, another uh, thing, interesting enough, they they wanted to try to make this as this insane story as believable as possible. So uh, they created a what hold on yeah. hold on hold on let me backtrack that okay. sentence there uh it is late at night when we're recording mm-hmm. uh during the week and so i missed that but you just said to make the story <laughs> about little cute little furry creatures turning into goblins more believable is that what you just said yeah so <laughs> this, 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 okay. this is what they're saying so um so to do that um they thought that they couldn't just set it in like like New York City or some actual town. Like they had to kind of um, give it kind of like a it's a wonderful life feel. So they tried to create a backlot town mm. to make it look like Frank Capra's Capra's It's a Wonderful Life, uh, and and even um, nodded to it in the movie. So you see a clip of It's a Wonderful Life as well yeah. in the movie. And that was on purpose trying to create this um, more stylistic feel that they thought would fit better and not as glaring if they were to do it in like a real town or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kingston Falls, where the Gremlins movie takes place, uh, if nobody notices, is Hill Valley. It's the exact same um, setup and everything used for the Back to the Future movies. Um, so both films are filmed at that same location. Backlot life. Yeah. Howie Mandel voiced Gizmo. Uh, so that's interesting, I thought. Yes and no. I mean, he also was the voice of Bobby in Bobby's world. Too. Oh, yeah. He did a lot of uh, Skeeter from Doug. Uh, apparently, he claims, though, Skeeter from Doug and Bobby from Bobby's world is all the same voice as Gizmo. Uh, and he jokes that he did one voice and got three paychecks and it was awesome. <laughs> there you go. Smarter, not harder. Yeah. Right? The song, there's like a little song that, uh, that Gizmo sings. That is not Howie Mandel though. They hired a, like a 13 year old girl, 
from and I think it was Jerry Goldsmith uh, was the one that hired this 13 year old girl girl. It was also in his synagogue. Um, and she's the one that did the little little song that gives most things in the movie, which is oh, not Howie Mandel in that part. But the rest is Howie. there you go. Yeah. Billy's girlfriend, Kate, played by Phoebe Cates, uh, casting took a lot of um, poking and prodding to get her cast. Um, the The studio did not want Phoebe Cates uh, at all. And their main issue was as much as this is like a weird horror, just bizarre movie, they were still trying to push for that family friendliness. Uh, and her big claim to fame before this was Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, she's she's just easy on the eyes. She has arguably one of the most famous nudity scenes in film history. <laughs> so it was kind of difficult for the studio to get behind uh, that fair enough. Um, so that's apparently what was keeping her getting the job. And it wasn't until that they uh, screen tested with Zach Galligan, who ended up getting the the lead role, which was a big surprise, too, because Zach Galligan uh, really hasn't done anything besides Gremlins and Gremlins 2. Uh, he hasn't done a whole lot. And he was pr- relatively unknown getting cast in this movie. He um did Joe Dante and, and and Spielberg actually thought he just fit the small town feel the best? Uh, he felt, felt fit the role best, but he he apparently beat out big names. Apparently, the studio was really pushing for either Emilio Estevez or Judd Nelson to be the stars of this really? movie. Yeah, and it wasn't until Zach Galligan was in this casting room do, doing lines and doing a scene with Phoebe Cates that they were like, "Yep, okay, these are our two people." It's always interesting the uh, what could have been when it comes to casting. I I think it's for the best. Like I I feel like Gilbert Godfrey was gonna play the voice of Gizmo too. But uh, <laughs> kidding, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. It would have been a very different movie with those actors. Like you know what I mean, like they're oh yeah, they would have taken more of like an action heroic role, and I don't I don't think that would have fit because I guess there was also a big debate on who the real hero of this movie is. Right. Um, and so, again, that was Spielberg that was like, yeah, I know Gizmo's the real hero <laughs> and he has to save the day at the end. Well, so that was all Spielberg. A heads up as we're wa- as we're we're taking our trip through Tales from the Set here. Uh, if you're getting the inkling to watch this film again, as I am, uh, it is on HBO Max. Nice. Um so Judge Reinhold was supposed to be a bigger role in this movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was supposed to be this bully uh, character to the main character and then turn into an ally. Um, but basically there was thought to be too many characters and, and Judge Reinhold's character is almost completely cut from the entirety of the movie. Crazy. Uh, yeah. Uh, the Gremlins were voiced by the legend uh, Frank Welker. Uh, so if you're not aware of him, he has been doing voice work for things like Scooby-Doo, uh, and various other very famous voices. The one that I know the most is my love of Transformers and he's the original Megatron. Had to go there, didn't you? Well, uh, other interesting voice work done for some other gremlins was Michael Winslow, the police Academy of Spaceballs. Yeah. So he did a bunch of the voice work too. There's a lot in here. You've also got uh, Peter Cullen. Mm-hmm. It's another great one. For sure. Um, so instead of trying to plan what the voice actors behind the Gremlins should say, 
The performers were given the freedom to just ad lib and react to what was happening in a given scene in the moment. As a result, the reactions came off as more natural and helped add to the illusion that the gremlins are real creatures. So they were just kind of having a grand old time there, puppeteering, doing the voices and yada, yada, yada. And <laughs> Anyway, Kate said that it was probably the most nerve wracking scene to shoot was when the cinema where the gremlins were watching Snow White and the Seven Dwarves uh, and that blows up. Uh, apparently, the safety regulations for this uh, explosion were pretty lax. Um, oh man! So here we go again. Yeah, when uh, when asked uh, the explosions guy how big the explosion would be, the guy responded, "Well, we've packed it pretty good." <laughs> and then Phoebe Cates' reaction is, "What the hell does that mean?" <laughs> yeah, I don't feel safe. Yeah. Even you telling me that right now, I wouldn't feel safe. Apparently, uh, it was deafening, and the heat was so intense. It had singed off some of her eyebrows, she said, uh, and it blew the doors off the theater. Uh, as, as you see in the film, that actually just was blown off uh, and it shattered all the windows and uh, apparently shattered windows on a building uh, on a, a universal a mile away. Well, damn. Yeah. And then you think about, you know, Chris Nolan recreating a nuclear bomb for Oppenheimer. <laughs> yeah. It's like. You know, uh, <laughs> of course he did. Of course he did. Not surprised. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. Although I feel like that was probably a little more safe, despite terrifying sounding when I say that. But I'm yeah, sure I'm there's sure little, people a lot were more safety like, protocols. yeah, safe distances and things of that nature. Right. Where this yeah. one doesn't sound like. <laughs> no, this is more like, a, hey, well, I put enough in there, so it's going to go boom. How big? I don't know. But uh, you're going to get an explosion. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see what are the other good ones. Phoebe Cates apparently in the tavern that she's working at uh, lets out a scream uh, that is pretty legit because apparently a real cockroach came out. So she was really uh, scared for real life in that moment. Mm. The Steven Spielberg changed the design of the Mogwai from moment to moment, greatly upsetting Chris Wallace workshop. He initially suggested they change the color to brown and white rather than an all over brown, then hairless ears, then he wanted Gizmo to become more of a sidekick to Billy's hero, doubling Chris Wallace's already overstretched workshop. So this kind of goes into the workshop and the crew hated Gizmo. <laughs> mm. So this thing was basically like Jaws, where it was constantly malfunctioning, constantly breaking down. There was apparently numerous delays where everybody's just sitting around because they couldn't get the, the freaking puppet to work again. Um, it has, you know, different like it's there's some crazy puppeteering going on of different faces, different eyes, things. And it, it was also yeah. a lot of a lot of mechanisms in play. Um, so apparently there was just some, some great hatred for this adorable gizmo that everybody loves audience wise. But like if you talk to the staff, they were like it was the bane of their existence. So there is this, this is this is the problem when you're involved, right? Like you've seen how the sausage is made. It's like it's hard to enjoy the sausage now. So there was one point in the movie where you do see Gizmo attached to a spinning dartboard with uh, sharp objects being thrown at Gizmo. 
And mm-hmm. uh, that was done on purpose to kind of as a cathartic moment for the crew because they, they hated that thing. We were all healed on this shoot yeah. on this day when we shoot this scene. Uh, apparently at one point, the the problems with the puppets got so bad that the entire cast fell asleep on set during the delay. <laughs> yeah, man. I mean, it's tough. I mean, you're trying to do it for real. Yeah. Right. Some other interesting stuff. Uh, I mean, so when the gremlins pop out of of the Mogwai out of out of Gizmo's body and stuff like that, um, they used balloons um, as a way to inflate them and then pop them out. And and he kind of did a similar thing with the gremlins in the microwave and stuff. So I guess apparently that was pretty revolutionary ideas and thinking of practical effects that a lot of people would use after this movie. Right. One studio note to director Joe Tante, executive producer T. Seward, on seeing the first cut was that there were too many gremlins. <laughs> Spielberg then suggested, well, let's cut them all out and call the movie People. <laughs> I love that passive aggressive line. <laughs> so at the end of the movie, Gizmo pops the window blind to expose Stripe to the sunlight. Oh, yeah, there you go, Stripe. Yep. Original edit featured Grismo lifting the shade. Then Billy, again, Spielberg suggested to Dante that the film show Gizmo to be more of the hero of the story than uh, Billy. Dante agreed, and the scene was edited to clearly show it was Gizmo that stopped Stripe. Uh, the original rough cut of this movie ran two hours and 40 minutes. Wow, that is too long for commercial appeal. That is crazy long. This is going to be my godfather, man. Yeah. <laughs> Man, so apparently Gremlins and Spielberg's Temple of Doom were the thing that changed uh, movie rating. So the the because these movies, uh, Gremlins and Spielberg's Temple of Doom were rated PG. Uh, and so quite a few people complained that there were some moves, you know, some parts in both these movies that were pretty inappropriate for kids uh, And the Motion Picture Association actually looked to try to give uh gremlins and R rating um and so spielberg has suggested to the board that they come up with a grade between pg and r and that suggestion is where you get pg-13 and the first pg-13 movie is red dawn wow yeah so i'm looking up some stuff here mm-hmm. i'm kind of curious about a couple of things here um i as i'm hearing all this interesting stuff here about the show uh, with the issues with the puppets and everything like that, it got me thinking. Honestly, it's really hard not to think about Furbies uh, when you're thinking about Gremlins. I don't know if you touch on this at all. Do you touch on this in your your, your show notes? Touch on what? On the how, similarity between uh, the Gremlins and Furbies? Um, I definitely read it. I'm not sure if I wrote it down or not. That I don't remember. I think I think at one point then um, they had to pay. Well, I'll mention it right now. Yeah. So I think they had to pay them. right? Well, yeah. So essentially, well, it's an interesting thing, because when I think of Gizmo in particular, obviously it's like literally Furby. Yeah. And so apparently uh, Joe Dante actually touched on this, um, but they didn't ask me anything on Reddit. But apparently uh, producer Mike Fennell and I noticed a certain similarity between Furby and uh, and Mogwai and pointed out to Warner Brothers. And soon after, there was a Gizmo Furby for sale and no doubt some settlement money had changed hands. But yeah, so apparently yeah. they'd had a good relationship with Hasbro. So instead of suing the toy makers, 
uh, they decided to partner with them. And then in 1999, they released a special Furby that was directly modeled after Gizmo, advertising as featuring the actual voice of Gizmo. Yeah. Uh, and apparently went on for sale for a limited 250,000 run. Uh, but they did technically modify them because they added arms and legs. Hmm. But looked exactly like Gizmo once you did that. So yeah. it's kind of funny. But Interesting. Gotta love it. That puppet worked. Yeah. Well, I guess it didn't have to do a whole lot. So <laughs> it didn't have to do nearly as yeah. much as the puppets on set, right? So I, I guess the next thing was this movie is considered a Christmas movie. It was supposed to be released for the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I guess for whatever odd reason, Warner Brothers was like looking at their big summer release. Then they were like, oh, wait a minute. We don't really have anything to compete with uh, Indiana Jones, the Temple of Doom. Uh, another Spielberg project and Ghostbusters all supposed to come out in 84 in the summer. So they were like, what do we do? And so they just decided to move. You mean in the Christmas? They they were no, they, all those movies still come in the summer. OK, so Temple of Doom and Ghostbusters, all summer release movies. And yeah. Warner Brothers had nothing to kind of compete with those movies in the summer. Oh, OK. I got you, so I got they you, moved got Gremlins out of the Christmas season and put it in the summer but they they full well were thinking like well it's whatever at least we got something to put up against those movies it's gonna lose this movie's probably gonna tank like they the the studio had like no they thought whatever to this movie like there was you know especially apparently they're like when a gremlin explodes in a microwave a mother like came storming out like saying this is totally unsuitable warner brothers just had no faith they didn't get it they just didn't get it they didn't think this was funny they thought it was really messed up um, my producer hat on, I, I find this to be very confusing because if you feel like a movie's going to fail to launch and you're trying to recuperate whatever money you can on the project, then you wouldn't release it with that much competition around its release date. It would make more sense to stick with your Christmas uh, theming of the film and also your initial release date if there isn't something competing with it, because at least you have a fighting chance to recuperate some money. Yeah, I don't know. And it's a big deal getting a Christmas release date. I just dealt with this on the last film that I worked on, the Whitney Houston movie, which comes out today. But that was a big deal trying to make sure that we were able to get everything done in order to make that Christmas deadline. Like it's it's not an easy thing to get that locked in. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if it would, if it meant the same things. Like you know, I know. I mean, I know some Bond movies and such came out in November, but I don't know how big it was to put certain movies uh, out at that time period. Uh, so, it, it, but yeah, I don't know. They were like, I mean, there's definitely ebb and flow of when you want to release stuff yeah. in the box office for sure. But holidays yeah. are usually pretty safe as far as like people will go. Usually it's February is like the dumping month yeah. is usually where you throw your stuff. You don't think it's going to be that good. Um and then like randomly a movie will do well. So, but Gremlins wasn't thought it was going to do that well. It was just kind of like, all right, mm-hmm. this is this is what we're going to put out. And uh, it was a huge success. Like they, they, they didn't <laughs> understand it. And somehow it did really well. It was the... F- Reach out to those Hasbro guys. Yeah. Come back, come back. We need to make a toy with you. Got to make some money off of this. Film ended up being the fourth highest grossing film of 1984. Wow. Yeah, it was behind Beverly Hills Cop, Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, and Temple of Doom, and then Gremlins. How much money did it end up bringing in during its at least box office? Um, 
It debuted number two, debuted at number two at the box office. Uh, and the only reason probably was oh, number two was it opened the same weekend as Ghostbusters. Uh, it only fell about $1 million short of the top spot. Uh, the film had a budget of $11 million. By the end of its initial U.S. theatrical run, the film ended up being a successful success of the box office, earning $148 million domestically. Wow. Yeah. Not bad. Yeah. Not bad. I mean, and that's $11 million in 1984. Or, well, yeah. 80s, because obviously it was made before 84. Shockingly enough, too, apparently Gremlins beat and outperformed Ghost, Ghostbusters in New York City. There you go. And apparently that was... So you're going to call not Ghostbusters. You're going to call some Gremlins. Well, the problem apparently was the production was so annoying to New Yorkers. They were so just pissed <laughs> at that movie. About Ghostbusters? Yeah. And what it was doing <laughs> to, like, just functioning in new york city yeah traffic's already bad now you gotta make a movie here you're making it hard for me to get to work it's just going on here exactly so ghostbusters was more successful there I, you know i but also like if they marketed it correctly which i'm sure they did with steven spielberg at the helm of it right you're also competing against a kids movie right kids movies notoriously end up doing really well depending very often do especially now we've seen with the animation model yeah um they can blow out, you know, theater releases as far sure. as their opening weekends and their overall run. But as much as it's kind of dark, it it is oddly family friendly. And obviously Gizmo is really cute and adorable and everything. Yeah. Like I saw this movie was when I was a kid. I don't know if it was something about the 80s, but there there's there's quite a few kid movies in the 80s that were like, mm -hmm. man, I can't believe I watched this. <laughs> yeah. There's some questionable ones for sure. Yeah. You know, and obviously the Furby merger that I talked about wasn't until 1999. So well after um, the movie came out. But speaking to the point of making sure that Gizmo doesn't turn into one of those scary creatures would make it a little bit harder to sell because obviously, you know, kids know that they're toys. But like dolls, I don't like dolls because yeah. I've seen enough ghost movies to know that like the second that doll's head moves on its own, we're going to have a problem. here. You know, like. <laughs> I, I think of these things. Of course you do. As an adult. And I'm sure I thought it as a kid. You know, I hated dolls. But when you think about like, you know, gremlins, it's like, do I want this cute little furry one that never turned into a monster or this cute little furry thing that could turn into this terrifying monster, you know, yeah, that originally was going to eat my dog, but decided not to. It would have been an interesting version of a Tamagotchi back in the day, huh? Well, so apparently Furby was initially inspired uh, by the time uh, I, I read yeah. some weird stuff in looking at this merch, this little collab. Yeah. But <laughs> yeah. Gotta love it. So um, I want a gizmo, though. I'm sure you can get plushies now. No problem. Yeah. But, I definitely had a big I was a big fan of this one and the sequel just because I thought gizmo was adorable. I mean, how, how do you know? Yeah. You know, add it to the shelf with my turbo man doll that we talked about in the holiday special. Um. So making 148 million, uh, yeah, sequel is gonna be asked. <laughs> of course, there's no way it's not 148 million in the 80s. Yeah, you know, like that's that's a lot. That's a lot of money. So Warner Brothers is like, we need a sequel. Joe Dante, please come back, and he did not want to come back. <laughs> So um, several ideas uh, went around of, of what they can do since Joe Dante did not want to come back. Uh, they were trying to pitch around a sequel, including the Gremlins traveling to and terrorizing Las Vegas. 
Uh, hey, I can see yeah, it. Uh, even having them go to outer space. Um, but those ideas are scrapped. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, I love that the, the genre is on IMDb is categorized as comedy, fantasy, horror. Yeah. What a, what a, what a mix. That makes sense. <laughs> Gremlins 2 did not go on to make nearly as much money. No. Well, so that, yeah, the, so the studio was like, all right, those ideas are bad. They don't work. So let's go back to Dante. Uh, and like, what do you want? Just please come back to make another one. And so John Ta- Dante agreed, I'll come back. But the one thing is I want full creative control this time. Yeah. No more Spielberg jumping in or anybody else. Like I want the full control. Waiting in the wings. Yeah. So this the studio is like, sure, you got it. I love the Gremlins 2 poster, by the way. <laughs> I would actually hang that up in my theater room, dude. It's got the little cigarette. Yeah. And the like evil boss type chair. Yeah. yeah. Looking out the out the over the city. Oh my God. It's so great. So basically, Joe Dante was like, now that I got control, I'm going to make this completely absurd and ridiculous farce level type movie. Um, and so that's kind of why he went in that direction. Um, fun times yeah. <laughs> kill the franchise but uh, you do get a really interesting sequel out of it it's, so. but it, I mean I, I want to revisit it because I remember actually kind of liking it and and I know there is a now how old were you when you remember liking it though like were you college age oh or no you... I was young I was definitely young okay um, I mean when did that one come out have you seen it since then though like was it only when you were young that you saw it I mean, I've I've rewatched the first one a couple of times as being an adult. But to be honest, I really don't remember the last time I saw the second one. Yeah, I, I can't either. Um, I know I saw it, but I think I was definitely little. I feel like I could look this up really quick if the new IMDb wasn't so stupid. It's so bad. They used to give the option to revert to the old one. And now they're like, no, we're going to shove this down. I don't know why this is like any like nicer. I don't get it. Um, I'm pretty sure it was an early 90s. There it is, 1990 uh, Gremlins 2. So, I, I mean, I was like five or six going into Gremlins yeah. 2. So, but I mean, it was up my alley. It was super weird. I remember like one Gremlins, one of the Gremlins, you get female Gremlins, or maybe there's some cross dressing. Yeah. Uh, there there might have been a guy, a human person that, you know, has a romantic relationship with a Gremlin. <laughs> like, it's, it's pretty insane. But some people really. Um, they enjoy the second one, so I'm curious to revisit hey, it. Everybody's got their kink, Tim. Don't kink shit, right? <laughs> Some people, their kink is a gremlin. You know, you gotta let them live their best life. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, the sequel definitely uh, did not do as well. How different we went from family friendly to uh, so. Let me talk about kink shit. Yeah. <laughs> with the sequel, <laughs> um, he may or may not have had relations with the <laughs> with the gremlin. Yes. Oh, we took a turn. So it really did. So to this day my favorite scene in Gremlins is the old, the old woman going through the window mm. on the little the electric stair uh lift. Oh my god. It's so funny. There's so many funny bits in that movie. Like it really did was like let's yeah, we got these kind of scary looking little gremlins, but we got this adorable one. Let's make basically a live action Looney Tunes like horror yeah. comedy and it, it, it delivers and it's, it's great. Um, all at the same time though, Joe Dante has since said, I still have no idea why this picture was successful. <laughs> there you go. Um, there you go. yeah, now I see my note on the Furby. Uh, I didn't see it towards the end. 
Um, yeah, well, sorry. this fine. There has been a long gestating Gremlins three on the horizon. Um, yeah, there's been weird offshoots of Gremlin too that I don't know are necessarily tied to it, but the same name. So I saw that in looking this up. There was like a Gremlin in two thousands or something. Like that. Yeah, as of late as April of this year, Christopher Columbus speaking to a the much darker tone of a third film which Zach Galligan has to be campaigning for on social media. But so far, nothing has progressed. It's going to end up being a Kickstarter, man. Maybe. I don't know. I haven't seen anything for it in a long time. I was kind of surprised to read that. I was like, I, I usually would have heard something about a third Gremlins movie, but I have not. It's going to be the next Legion movie. There you go. But yeah, that's and so far, that's that's it. That's that's the spiel. All right. Well, let's put our money together. Let's buy the script for Gremlins so that we can produce it ourselves. <laughs> It'll be a film as we know it. Uh, right. Production. Well, technically, it'd be a throw the knife production, but, you know. Right. But it would be fun. I mean, I, I'm curious to see, like, if they like do they. Yeah. Chris Columbus is involved. Is he writing? Is he going to get his much darker Gremlins or do I even want that, to be honest? Like, because, again, the fun of the original is is the Looney Tunes esque to it. Yeah. I, yeah what an unfortunate name. It's so hard. I, I, I held my tongue the entire time. But Christopher Columbus, man, it's hard not to think about the other. Right. Christopher Columbus. When you say that, I mean, like, I, <laughs> Obviously, he's done a lot for his name, right? With Harry Potter, Gremlins, and everything else that he's been involved with yeah. as well. Home Alone. But yeah, unfortunate. Yeah. It's it's no longer has his own holiday now. That got taken away from him. Uh, <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I don't even want to touch that, man. Oh, <laughs> there's some horrible people out there. Oh. Oh, yeah. But... Well, it was interesting as always. It definitely makes me want to watch Gremlins again. I love it, but really, it kind of makes me want to watch Gremlins too because both of them in tandem to see how off the rails it really yeah. jumps. I'm curious if that one's on HBO Max too. I think it was last year or two years ago that I rewatched Gremlins. So, I, yeah, I would like to revisit too. It is on HBO Max as well. There you go. Now we got to just check that out. Well, who knows for how long? So much things are getting taken off HBO Max. It's crazy right now. Mm, I feel like we've got a hot take. Coming well, it's up not here. really a hot take. It's just crazy how much stuff is coming down. Like I just saw today that apparently Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, the cartoon show, is coming off HBO Max in January. Yeah, it's a weird one too because they also had um oh god, what was it? It was uh DC, not Infinite or something, but they had some kind of their own streaming service uh for DC related content. Yeah. And then all of that merged onto HBO Max and then Yeah, you know, it's a whole thing. Because like Doom Patrol, uh, Titans, right. not Teen Titans, but Titans, the live action. Uh, dude, by the way, fantastic. And it sucks because, and I can speak to this to a degree, uh, tax incentives can make or break a project for sure. And uh, it it broke Swamp Thing. Mm. Swamp Thing was fantastic. I don't know if you ever got around to seeing the first only season. No, I heard it was really good, though amazing and they filmed it in louisiana and then louisiana ended up pulling their tax incentives so it ended up becoming too expensive to continue to film there so they ended up scrapping season two because of that it's a bummer so it's unfortunate but to leave on a bummer no no um but yeah check out gremlins it's still the holiday season you're listening to this now i'm flying to michigan Next Monday, less than a week now with my little one. Wow. Yeah. It's a lot of snow there. Uh, and he is well aware. He keeps coming to my office like, hey, 
It's going to be a lot of snow there. <laughs> and uh, we're going to have to get some stuff so we can play in the snow. That should be fun. Yeah. I mean, obviously. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. I'm excited. You know, personal note, I've been working like crazy right now. Been putting in a lot of hours and it's unfortunate because yeah. he's aware of it. You know, he's always like, oh, you're always working. I only got to hang out with you for 30 minutes today. And I'm like, kills me. But I am excited to actually have a week off for the holidays to be able to spend some time with a little one, you know? Yeah. Well, I guess I should also uh, plug my new podcast that I got coming. Yeah. Yes, please do. Yes. It's finally here. We've talked about we, it. Yeah, we mentioned it that I was got something in the works, but now I can I can kind of explain it more and, and give more details. So in your words, speak to it, Tim. I don't know if I I, I, I guess I've not decided whether do we want to release it the start of January or are we going to try to release it here at the end of December? But um, it is called the Film Bros Championship Podcast. Mm. And it is with my brother and I. So you guys probably know Patrick. He's he's guest hosted on here. He's been on panels before. Yeah. So this will be a, not that I'm leaving this fine, great podcast uh, film as we know it. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get your brother finally involved in a podcast, which is the whole reason why you're like, you know, I always wanted to do a podcast with my brother. Would you do a podcast with me? We finally get 20 episodes in. Milestone moment, really. And then now you go off and you leave me for your brother, you son of a bitch. I'm not leaving anything. What's the show about? Sounds oddly familiar. No, what? No. No? It's got film in the title. So basically, we are going to do this one's going to be more in seasons. So season one is going to be uh, we've decided to choose the action genre and we will be uh, we we pick a random year. So you guys have to we'll listen to the uh, the first episode to figure out what will what what year. Is there a wheel that decides this? Well, I don't know if it's not an actual wheel. It's a, it's a, it's an app thing that my brother had. So there was. A- Come on, add some pizzazz to the show. Get your craft on. Well, so it's not like uh, it's not like we're going to be visually seeing it. It will be an audi- audible um, podcast, so it's not no visual means. I know. Yeah, but the, it does make a noise. So you do hear a noise as the wheel is spinning. So we will you will listen to that episode and you'll find out what year we're picking. It will be in the 1980s. Uh, so it will be a random year in the 1980s. And so that whole season will be a different action movie within that year in the 1980s and we'll rank it and score it. And then in the season finale, my brother and I will debate which out of the highest scored movies was the best uh, action of that genre that year. The champion. Yes. And so then different seasons, we might do different genres or we might stay with action and then do, you know, spin the wheel again, different year. And that's the gist. Yeah. All right. It's not the same podcast. You're right. Yeah. No, it's different. No, I'm actually really excited. In all fairness, I've actually heard a lot about and I've actually listened to some of the teasers. It's pretty great. Um, I'm really stoked for you, man. I mean, I know we dialed back our show again to my chaotic work schedule and also to make time for other projects that, you know, Jackman wanted to get involved in. And it's great that now we kind of are both able to kind of spread our wings a little bit. Yeah. Get involved in other projects and really just spread the brand, you know, more and get more, you know, people in. If you're all about 80s action, well, at least the first season. Yeah. That's that's your that's your show. Yeah, for sure. You know, and who so who knows? We might do a different different genre or a different decade or maybe the same decade in a different year within it. But we're having fun now what if i get you 
I will. I will promise you this. I'm gonna make okay. this promise right now on this show, and we'll do. And I, I keep thinking about this every time we do tales from the set. That you know, if we know enough in advance, I might be able to actually get people from the actual movie to come on here. Yeah. Uh, with some of my connections for for future tales from the set. Believe you me, that's gonna happen. I just need to. We I will need to know. Yeah. You know, at least a month or so in advance, so I can actually call a publicist and talk to agents to get that to happen. But. I could definitely probably set something up with you uh, to get someone from one of those movies on your show, like future episodes. Just letting you know. Yeah. So you just got to let me know if there's a movie that like piques your interest and then I'll see if I have some connections. Yeah, it'll be interesting because it's um, I'm definitely like there's your staples in it that we've been doing, you know, the ones that most people would know. And there are some movies I have never heard of before that I'm I'm being introduced to. Those might be easier. <laughs> Harder to find them, but easier to convince yeah. to be on the show. But yeah, so we uh, we are recording them in advance. I you know I uh, we got the holidays here. I coach lacrosse in the spring, oh, yeah. so it's going to get a little hectic for me. So I'm trying to build up episodes. We just started realizing too, like mm-hmm. like Patrick and I and like the last recording, we're like talking about the Knicks a little bit because the game was on the background, and we're like talking about how good they're doing. It's like who knows by the time this episode airs, they could be doing terrible again. And people are like, what are they talking about? But oh, no. we're having fun doing it. Uh, we're gonna record another episode tomorrow. We got five in, so we're we're feeling pretty good to start release. So we're excited. Yeah, now is it going to release bi-weekly like our show's supposed to? Yeah, I think that's the just the, the at least the thinking was. You know, you're either going to get a film as we know it podcast or you're going to get a film bros championship podcast. So, okay, either way, you're getting movies. Yeah, exactly. And you'll hear me. I promise I with us going audio only, it will be a lot easier for me to stick to our schedule. So that's another reason why we're doing this. So and I can help you edit a little bit more. Yeah, it's a little less daunting, man. I the first video we did i did some behind the scenes before we wrapped the show here the first video podcast we did i did the old-fashioned way where i was literally like manually i had all of our video tracks lined up and i was manually cutting through each of them (laughs) and after eight hours of doing that uh well six hours really let's not be dramatic here but six hours of doing that and of course it was one of our longer episodes i think it was like an hour and 40 minutes or something like that but um yeah like there has to be an easier way and there is it's multi-cam editing and adobe premiere is a lifesaver because once you get the audio fixed then you know as long as you've got a decent enough computer you can literally have every single camera angle up on one monitor and then the actual live feed on the other and it's literally like live switching a show but it's in the edit so you can kind of you know finesse a little bit but yeah it allows you to literally just hit a number instead of cutting manually and relining everything up you just hit one for camera one, two, camera two, and it makes your life mm. infinitely more easy. Yeah. Uh, but even then, like I said, we did the holiday special. It was six cameras. It was a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Four audio tracks. So even with the all the tricks that I have at my disposal, it, it's still very daunting, but I love it. And it is hard to say goodbye to the video portion of the show, but yeah. we will, of course, be back. I'm sure, you know, my schedule will eventually lighten up. But I wrap on my project sometime in March or April. So next next like you in the spring is good. Well, I guess winter still going into spring is going to be very chaotic. Yeah. uh, With work. So I'm trying to do my best here. Yeah. With my coaching schedule, I don't get my like life back until like May. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, I'm well aware because your your wife's like, yeah, podcast is cool. (laughs) But uh, when lacrosse comes, it's going to be a problem. And you're doing another show? Yeah, I've, I've seen. 
in fairness, you're still the same amount of time originally devoted. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's that's kind of how I justify it, at least. Like, I'm really just kind of doing the same thing, just slightly with different people. But actually even more efficient because you guys have a backlog. Yeah. So it would make it even easier for you guys to stay up. You don't have to necessarily record it. In ca- yeah. In case I, you know, oh, sorry, lacrosse went long or something. Can't record this week. It's not a big deal because we've kind of built it up. So oh, yeah. and then, yeah, since we got season uh stuff too you know heck if there's a bigger gap between seasons it's not too big of a deal <sighs> yeah season's the way to go we're doing that with tupperware party podcast we're blasting through the first season right now but yeah uh, after that season wraps we're definitely doing a good decent size hiatus between seasons and we are definitely going to record our little asses off during that break because it just makes sense because then you don't have to worry about schedules you have all the content you can even edit during the hiatus or at least you have everything to edit at your at your leisure yeah everyone's yeah i mean we're not unfortunately as of right now we're not podcasting full-time right that is the dream but for now we still have lives we still have families we still have jobs for sure man well, thanks so much for joining me on this episode, as yeah. always, and bringing some awesome info and some behind the scenes look at Gremlins and a little Gremlins, too. A little bit of extra stuff in there. Um, well, this has been Film As We Know It podcast. If you would like to show your support for the podcast, please leave a like or a review. Give us a rating wherever you listen or watch the show best way to support us though honestly is to share the podcast with like-minded people that are going to enjoy the show or maybe someone might take a chance on the show but that definitely helps us out uh you can check us on social medias by searching for hashtag films we know at pod uh to get all the latest and greatest check out our reels check out some clips from previous episodes that maybe you might want to dive into obviously we're on youtube at throw the knife productions on youtube you can check our video podcast there from previous episodes, as well as the holiday special, which I do want to continue to hype up because it was a big production. It was a lot of fun. Um, And you can also watch and listen on Spotify as well. As always, I've been Zach, joined by Tim. Thanks for tuning in. Peace out, everyone.